and they talk a lot about the Holy Spirit and the full gospel business, man. And so this one night I walked in, I was determined, I have to know, is there a Holy Spirit or isn't there? As I walked in the door, the main speaker and a few of his friends were standing by the door, and I said, hello. And they said, hi. That's all it was exchanged. And he talked on and on, and I'm saying, okay, God, shut him up. I want to get at the front. I want to be at the altar, first one. The guy's name was Jerry B. Walker. I can remember him. I can't remember a word he said, but he had yellow patent leather shoes, white slacks, and a yellow sports coat. Now, you got to remember, this is 1970s, early 70s, a few years ago. Anyway, he finally quit, and I was the first one up the altar. And I think this is the only time in my whole life that this happened. He said to me, he said, the Holy Spirit talked to me when you came in the door. He said, he is going to show you something. He reached out his hand, touched me, and bam, flat on the floor. And I laid there, fully conscious of what was going on. All of us, as I did that, starting with my right hand, there was electricity that went up my right arm, across my, my shoulders, down, down to my left hand, back up, down. It just kept going on like that for about 20 minutes. And I realized, and you cannot convince me otherwise, there is a Father, there is a Son, and there is a Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus even said, the Holy Spirit is coming to teach you all things. So I got screwed up, but he was faithful to reach out and bring me to a place of experiencing him. Amen. All right. Thank you, John, for sharing that. This is... This is what we're talking about. We're talking about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the triune Godhead. We know God the Father, who loves the world, who loved all of us, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. We believe on Jesus and are saved and are born again and are changed on the inside. And that happens through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And the Spirit's presence on the inside is not just a kind of mental recognition of belief. It comes with a physical demonstration. Things happen when the Spirit of God comes on a person. And we read that in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts last week. And so we've been talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. And last week, Daniel did a great job on teaching about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And the baptism as we believe, and I'm just going to kind of recap some of our, our thoughts, uh, just so you know where we stand. We believe that any, every child of God or every person who comes to faith in Jesus Christ and believes on Him, at the moment of their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God enters every person's heart into their life because it's the Holy Spirit that regenerates and makes us a brand new person. So everybody, everyone who trusts in the Lord has the Holy Spirit living in them. But the baptism with the Holy Spirit, as we see it in Scripture, is a separate and distinct work from that of salvation. Salvation is me believing on Jesus for what he did on the cross for me and the Holy Spirit coming in and redeeming my life. But after that, there is more of the Holy Spirit that is available to every one of us who believe. As much as we want, we can be filled countless times over and over. How many, how many of you know we keep, need to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit? You know why? Because we're all leaky vessels, that's why. We all got, we're all cracked pots, and uh, we, we kind of leak along the way, and so I'm in constant need of a reviving, a refreshing, a renewing, a refilling in my soul, and that, that, that takes place partly in the baptism with the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus then turning around and immersing us into all of the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And Paul talked about it like, or Jesus actually talked about it like, when, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the, you are immersed into the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what the baptism means. Full immersion, where the Holy Spirit just comes all over you. He comes upon you, as Jesus said. He said to his disciples, you know the Holy Spirit, for now he is with you, but then he will be in you, and then he will come upon you. You see the stages of progression? And so God wants every one of us to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We believe that with all of our hearts. And this is one of the reasons why we're talking about it. Well, one of the things that accompany baptism of the Holy Spirit, Daniel talked about it last week, John shared it in his testimony. We see it in Scripture, and I'm not going to go over it line for line. I think you can go on uh, online and listen to that message from last week. But one of the things that we see predominant in Scripture, among other things, is the evidence of tongues coming on a person, speaking in another language. And so that's what we're talking about. We're going we're gonna to be looking at this tonight. So to get started, first of all, let me pray. I need to pray really badly. So, and, then, and then we'll get in this. Lord, I just invite you right now to come, Lord, and just be with us over these next few moments. Holy Spirit, I can read what I've written down. I can talk about the scriptures, but we need divine revelation. We need you to, we need you to teach us. And so I just pray, God, that you would uh, anoint me to be able to share it and anoint everyone here to hear clearly what you are saying here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says amen. Can you lift your right hand with me over Butte and just say, God, bless Butte. Come on, bless Butte, God. Bless this city. May it be redeemed for your name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Don't want to forget to pray for our city while we're up here overlooking it. All right, let me read some scriptures. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. I just want to read you some kind of starter points. These are, this is all in the Bible. It says, Jesus said, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, and they will speak with new tongues. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Listen to what Paul says. Though I speak with tongues of men, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And then again, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. I wish you all spoke with tongues, he said. 1 Corinthians 14, 18, listen to this. He's flexing now. I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. How do you like that? When I was uh, 12, 13 years old in, in uh, middle school, I had a really close friend. His name was Todd Morris, and Todd was a close friend, played basketball with him on the team there at the school. And uh, he was a Baptist kid, and he went to a Baptist church and grew up in a Baptist church, uh, and, and I was Pentecostal. But he was my best friend, and so I invited him to church on a Wednesday night. I thought, if any time's going to be safe, it's Wednesday night. So I invited him on a Wednesday night to church, and, in, and this, is set, this is 1970s church, by the way. And so we were gathered there, and we all met in the sanctuary, and we would sing a few songs, and then they would share a few announcements, and then the teenagers would go to their place, and the little kids would go to their place, and the adults to another. And so after the song, we, we had sang a couple of songs, and we were all sitting down, and all of a sudden, very loudly, there was a lady that stood up in the back and began to speak in other tongues. And I didn't know the lady at the time. She was not, you know, wasn't familiar to me or to our church. And she just began to kind of, you know, I'm just going to say it, holler out tongues. And, um, and she was speaking tongues. And I was, I was standing by my friend, or we were sitting there together. And all of a sudden, he jerked and looked at her 
And she did that for a few moments. And then I can't even remember if there was an interpretation. I think there probably was. And then after it was all over and my dad kind of explained things and what was going on, my friend Todd looked at me and he said, that scared me to death. (laughs) And I, I never have forgotten that story because I know that Todd was probably scared for one of a couple of different reasons. One was that he was probably, he maybe has never even heard anything about spiritual language, about tongues. Maybe the church he went to never really brought it up because they didn't feel like it was for today. But it could have been, too, that maybe the church he went to um, taught against it. There are places that do teach against speaking in other languages. Or it could have been something like he was scared to death, maybe because of the way it was carried out in that it was very, you know, it was just kind of out of nowhere, and it was just all of a sudden. And, and uh, you know, sometimes people do things out of more of a learned behavior than actually following the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that she was out of order. I'm just saying that sometimes things are carried out in a way that really cause people to question. And it does scare them because they're uncertain about it. And so this is what we're dealing with when we talk about spiritual language and tongues. It's a hot topic. I can't think of, there, it's got to be in the top five most controversial things in the body of Christ when you talk about it. The things about tongues and spiritual language, like there's a, there's a lot of other things. There's healing for today. There's, there's a controversy on whether or not we should be singing Bethel songs. There's a, there's a controversy in the, in the church today about are you Calvinist or are you Arminian? And there's, there's all these different things going on in the body of Christ. And tongues has to be right up there among the top. And so it's a, there's a lot of confusion about it. And this is why we want to talk about it. Because obviously, uh, when you read the scriptures... One of the things that I see in the scriptures is that there is no skepticism whatsoever when the Bible talks about tongues. It doesn't come at it in a point of doubt or skepticism or as if this is not for today or that we need to call it into question. Rather, it's tried to, it, it, the Bible tries to clarify the importance of it and to celebrate the vitality of it. And so this is what we want to talk about. I want you to notice again that the scriptures that we read, Jesus prophesied that believers would speak with new tongues. Jesus said that. He said believers will speak with new tongues. They will be given a new language. And then we also saw on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, that all of the believers present, 120 of them in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, all of them present spoke in other tongues, in in another language. And then we read Paul where he said that, that that if I speak with the tongues of men or if I have an earthly language or I have a language that's heavenly, angelic if you will, whatever the case, if I speak in that tongue and I don't have love, I'm, I'm just making a bunch of noise because how many of you know that love matters? I mean, if we do anything, if we talk about all this spiritual stuff and this, you know, this powerful stuff, but we don't have love, we're not operating out of love, then it means absolutely nothing to Jesus. And so love is really the foundation of everything. And then Paul said, of course, he said, I want you to speak in tongues as much as I do. I want everyone to have this expression in their life. And so I want to talk about tongues. Let me, before I kind of get into the crux of what I want to share, let me define what I mean by tongues. The Greek word for tongues is glossa or glossolalia. And it literally, when we talk about speaking in another language or speaking in tongues, we're talking about receiving a language by the Holy Spirit that you don't understand yourself. It's not something that you learned. It's not like learning, going to Rosetta Stone and learning a language. It's an unknown language. It could be an earthly language. 
It's probably an angelic language, but whatever it is, it's a language that comes. It's a manifestation, a supernatural manifestation that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives you a language. It's a language you don't understand and one that you had not previously learned. That's what we mean by tongues. How many of you in the room, you don't, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I want anybody to feel embarrassed. How many of you in the room have at one time or another in your life feel like you've spoken in spiritual language, in tongues? Okay. So there's, I would say, probably about half of us, maybe a little bit better than that. And so we're here to talk about this tonight because this is a big deal to a lot of people. It's an uncertain thing. But we want to we kind of like um, demystify it a little bit and kind of take down all these barriers that can kind of get built up in our mind and in our spirit. So I, I just want you to understand what tongues is. It is a supernatural manifestation of the spirit given to you whereby you speak in a language that you don't understand and that you have never learned. That's what it means to speak in tongues. So let's talk about the purpose of tongues. I want to talk about why, why is it that God would give us tongues? Everybody say, why tongues? What's the deal with tongues? So let's talk about this. I want to talk about the purpose and the power of tongues. First of all, one of the reasons why God gives us tongues, I believe, is that it is an evidence of God's presence and power on our life. It's an evidence that God has moved upon you. When God gives you a language, when God moves upon you and you begin to speak in a language and it comes, it just bubbles out of your soul and and you're literally vocalizing words that may sound to you, and I don't mean in disrespect, it may sound to you like gibberish, but it's language we learn from the scriptures that this is evidence that God has come upon you. And I want to show you this in Isaiah chapter 28. This is all the way back in the Old Testament. The Lord prophesied through Isaiah. He said, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people, to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing yet they would not hear. So the context of this scripture is Isaiah saying that God says, because you won't listen to my prophets who are speaking in your own language, there is coming a day when I'm going to speak through another language with stammering lips and another tongue. I'm going to speak and then I will get your attention and then you will experience the refreshing and the rest that I have so longed to give to you. But because you've resisted me, then this is not going to happen for a while, but there is coming a day that it's going to happen. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 about that verse, that tongues is a sign that God has fulfilled that verse, that God has brought that about, that God When God poured out his Holy Spirit and people began to speak with other languages, this was God's sign to everyone that the presence of God had come upon them. On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out, what does the Bible say? They were all filled, and then what happened? They spoke in tongues. In Acts chapter 10, when Peter was preaching, the Bible says the Holy Spirit was poured out. And while the Spirit was poured out, they all began to magnify God and they began to speak with other tongues. In Acts chapter 19, when Paul laid his hands on those 11 believers there in Ephesus who had not previously learned anything about the Holy Spirit, when Paul prayed for them, the Bible said the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. They began to prophesy and speak with other tongues. It's a sign, it's an evidence that the power of God, the presence of God has come upon you. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? So, one of the reasons why God gives us the language is to show as an evidence his presence on our lives. The next thing that I want to talk about, a purpose of tongues, is that 
it is for our edification or it edifies our spirit man. How many of you know you need to be edified? What does the word edify mean? To build up. You want to be built up, right? And so one of the reasons why God has given us the prayer language is so that we can build ourselves up in our holy faith. So let's look at it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. But he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So every once in a while on a Sunday morning, we hear prophetic words given. You ever heard that? People will speak out, they'll come up and say, I I have a word of the Lord. Sometimes we get a tongue and interpretation, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, people will come with a word, and they'll prophesy, they'll speak a word, they'll speak forth the word of God. Well, Paul is making a distinction between what we hear in church and what we can have available to us in our own private time. And he's saying to us that God will give us a spiritual language so that we can edify ourselves. We can build ourselves up. I want you to hold that thought. Let's look at Jude chapter, uh, there's only one chapter, but verse 20 in Jude. Jude writes and he says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Spirit. So when Jude says, pray in the Holy Spirit, pray in your spiritual language, what you're doing in that moment when you step out in faith and begin to pray in the language of the Spirit that God has given you, there's something happening in your inner man, in your spirit man, on the inside of you, and it's building you up. And I've heard, you know, uh, people who don't believe in this, I've heard them say, you know, people who speak in tongues, they're only, they're only trying to edify themselves. You know, like that's a bad thing. How many of you here, like, how many of you know that it's a good thing to work out? How many of you know that I need to start working out? You know what you're saying? I need, I, when I work out, I feel better. When I work out, it makes me feel better. I feel like I'm, you know, my life is coming together. My, you know, I, I'm not laying around. I'm not lazy. It's good to work out. That's edifying yourself. That's building yourself up. Well, this is what it looks like to pray in the Holy Spirit. It's self-edifying. You're building yourself up. And we all need that in our life because we're down. We get down. We get discouraged. We're, you know, life is undercutting us all the time and we are constantly needing to be built up in our in our faith and so let's look at jude again but you beloved build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the holy spirit god gave us spiritual language to build our inner person up here's another reason why we need to pray or why God has given us the baptism with the Holy Spirit with tongues, is that it's an expression of worship unto God. I want to show you something in Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 46. It says, while Peter was still speaking, I I shared this with you just a moment ago, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Speaking with tongues and magnifying God. I want you to look with me at Ephesians. I think that's the next one. Ephesians chapter 5. Is that the next one? After, after Acts. There you go. Uh, there should be 18 through. And do not be drunk with wine. Is that up there? There it is. And do not be drunk with wine. Do not get drunk. Come on, can I get an amen out there? 
And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Or that's a waste of your life to get drunk that way. He says, but be filled with the Spirit. If you're going to get drunk, get drunk on the Holy Spirit. If you're going to get intoxicated, if you're going to come under the influence of anything, come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. But notice how this happens. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit as you begin to praise and worship God in the Spirit. It refreshes you. It's like Jesus said, it's like rivers of living water bubbling out of your innermost being. It becomes like this this life-giving water bubbling out of your soul as you begin to worship God in the spiritual language that he's given to you. These are things we can do every day. Pray in the Spirit. Worship in the Spirit. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15, what is the conclusion then? He said, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Now, you don't have to answer me out loud, but have you you done this? If you've received your spiritual language, are you operating in this? Are you exercising this grace in your life? Let me just speak to those of us who have received our spiritual language. Many years ago, I was teaching on something like this, and there was a lady that came up for prayer afterward, and she said, I received the infilling of the Holy Spirit when I was a teenager or whatever, but she said, it has been decades since I prayed in my spiritual language. And she felt a block was there, that there was not a freedom for her to pray or to praise, or to do anything in her spiritual language. And so we prayed together, and there came a release, and after that, that that grace returned to her life. But I'm just bringing that out because I think that this is true of a lot of people. I think this is true of a lot of people who have received, but don't step into it and put it into practice. How many know you get better at things when you put it into practice? You say, well, I don't feel the Holy Spirit. I need to feel the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's got to take control of me. That's not the way it works. They spoke. The Spirit gave the utterance. You speak, and the Spirit, He gives you the language. And so as you speak, you make a choice. I'm stepping into this grace because God has given it to me to build me up. He's given this to me so that I can worship Him. And so as I step out and do it, and I just put it into practice, and you can even sing with the Spirit. Paul said, I sing in the Holy Spirit. And so you can just hide yourself away in a room somewhere and just begin to worship God and just begin to sing with your spiritual language. Amen. You guys are looking at me like I'm dead. (laughs) I'm not the one that's dead. No, I'm teasing God has given us this tongues so that it's an evidence of his power, his presence in our life. It's also for edifying and building us up. It's it's there for worship, and it's an expression of worship. But here's another thing that I want to talk about, that a purpose of tongues that God has given to us, is that it enables us to pray with greater power and greater effectiveness. And this is what I want to land on. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, he said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Everybody say, pursue love. love. That means run after love. Everything you do, whatever you do, go after love. Love matters more than anything. In fact, what is greater than the ability to speak in tongues is love. What is greater than raising the dead is love. What is greater than having the faith to move mountains is love. That's 1 Corinthians 13. Without love, none of this matters. And so we need to operate in the love of God. But he said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. That word desire means to be hungry for 
spiritual gifts. And he, he's not saying just for the ones you want. Amen. He's saying all of these gifts that I've talked about, and he talked about nine of them in the previous chapter. He's saying, desire these gifts. Desire all of these outworkings of the Holy Spirit in your life, these power, these supernatural things. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. He says, I want you to be able to speak God's word. Let God speak through you anytime, anywhere. How many of you would like that in your life? That when you're talking to somebody and God gives you a word to speak to them, that you feel the confidence that you can say what God wants you to say. Do you want that in your life? God wants you to have that in your life. But he also wants you to have equally this grace and this gift and this anointing of what we call spiritual language or speaking with tongues. He goes on and he says in verse 2, he says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit... He speaks mysteries. This is what I want you to understand about having a greater, a, 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 a greater power in prayer. Paul says, here's what I want you to know. When you speak in your spiritual language, you're not speaking to yourself and you're not speaking to people around you. You're speaking directly to God. And here's what he says. And you don't even know what you're saying. You don't have a clue what you're saying. But you are in direct communication with Almighty God. When you pray in this language that God has given you, nobody understands it, you don't understand it, and maybe you don't even feel like it. But you're talking to God. You're talking directly to Him. And remember, when you're talking to God, this is what what we call prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is communication with God. Come on, am I, is this right? Prayer is just simply communicating with God so that when I pray with my understanding, like I'm talking to you right now, I hope you can understand me. But I'm talking, I can talk to God, I can use my English language and I can pray and pray and pray, but then there comes a time when I don't know how to pray anymore and I'll get to that in a moment. But when I'm praying to God, when I'm, Seeking God in my spiritual language. Just know this. You don't understand it, but God does. And you are divinely linked with Almighty God as you talk to Him. Look at what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. He said, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Praying in the Spirit. Everybody say, pray in the Spirit. So that can mean pray spiritually or let the Holy Spirit direct you in your prayer time because He can do that. He can prompt you to pray for certain people. Have you ever felt that in your life? where you felt prompted by the Holy Spirit and you started praying for somebody. But it also means prayer in the Spirit can also imply praying in your spiritual language. And in this passage, we know that it is key to the warfares that we are facing in our lives. It's key to the battles. Now, let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 7. We're still talking about the purpose of tongues enhances our prayer life, makes it more effective. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, he says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now let's let's look at this. Let's kind of break this down just for a moment. So back to verse 26. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Anybody in this tent 
ever feel weak in your life about anything. So you got stuff going on. You got problems in your life. You've got issues. You've got addictions. You've got struggles. You've got temptations. Okay? So what do we do with all that? We know that the key to any problem that we face is to run to God and to pray. He's our refuge. He's our high tower. You got a problem, take it to God, right? In the day of trouble, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. God tells us, if you got a problem, I got the answer. If you need help, come to me. If you don't know what to do in a situation, pray. Okay, so that's all well and good. And so we go to God and we pray to God. But Paul, listen to what Paul says. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses for we Sometimes when we're praying about our problems, about the issue, about a situation, or even for someone, and our hearts are broken for them and grieving, and we don't know what to do, and we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. We don't know how to hit the bullseye in the prayer time. He says, the Spirit himself makes intercession. Come on, isn't that good news? The Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, I don't have time to kind of dig deep into the Greek behind this, but that phrase, with groanings which cannot be uttered, he's not saying that the Holy Spirit is doing the groaning. The way it's written in the original language is that we are the ones that are groaning. And it's in our groaning when we don't know what to pray. And we're just like, oh, you know, and we just, we just, you know, we just don't know where to go with it. We're, we're stumped. We, we've hit a wall. I don't know how to, I don't know what more I can bring up about this. I don't know what more I can cover in my prayer life about this. And we just, we've just, we've hit the wall. We've groaned. It's in that moment that Paul says, we have a helper in the Holy Spirit who comes alongside of us, and he's already praying with us and working through our prayers and inspiring us in our spiritual language in groans and utterings that we can't even express in our human language, but in our spirit language we can. And as we're praying in that, suddenly, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and I don't even understand what I'm saying, But by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm praying the will of God. Look at it. It says it right here, verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints. Look at that. According to the will of God. Amen. Amen. How many of you know that we're supposed to pray according to the will of God? 1 John chapter 5 tells us that. Well, how do I know what the will of God is about a thing? There are times I don't know what the will of God about something is. And so I, I, when I don't know how I can pray about this issue or how I can pray for this person anymore, I can step into praying in my spiritual language and allow the Holy Spirit to perfect my intercession. And see, we need this help. We need this ability. We need this power in our lives. And so God wants us to experience the grace of speaking in another language. God wants to give everybody in this room, I I firmly believe this, without trying to be, you know, dogmatic about it, because I know there's a difference of backgrounds and opinions on any given topic in the Bible. But I really believe that this grace is available for anyone and everyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to give this to every one of us. But with that, let me, let's talk about some of the problems that we have with tongues. We talked about the purpose of it, but let's talk about the problems. And this won't come up on the screen, but there were some questions that came up. And I think they're very important questions. And so I want to kind of start this ball rolling by uh, bringing up a few of the questions that were brought out. Remember, we had that form on a Sunday morning. You could put your questions down. And we had some people that had some questions about 
this idea of tongues. And so I want to talk about a couple of them right here. Uh, Here's what somebody wrote. If I don't speak in tongues, does that make me a second-class Christian? This is how I have been made to feel. So if you're in the if you're in the tent right I want to say room this is a tent if you're in the tent right now and you wrote that I am terribly sorry if you've been made to feel that way that's heartbreaking now I I would do the show of hands again but I shouldn't do that uh, but I would be willing to bet that if I had the people who speak with tongues raise their hand and I would ask them, do you feel like you're a better Christian than the person who doesn't? Every one of them would say, no. I don't feel like, a, I don't feel like I'm exalted because I speak in tongues over against somebody else. But people have felt that way. And probably in ways because it's been taught in a dogmatic way. But I want to just say that if a person does not speak in tongues, it doesn't make you a second-class Christian at all. It just makes you a Christian that doesn't speak in tongues yet. Just like I'm a Christian, I haven't walked on water yet. But I plan to someday. I just got to get more beach time. (laughs) I mean, we don't need to make a big, we don't need to get this all twisted. Yes, I'm a firm believer. I'm 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 on board. I'm Pentecostal. I'm it's it's that's the way I go. And I want to encourage it, but I don't want people to to feel like, and God forbid if I've ever done that to anyone. But you're not, a person who has not yet received their spiritual language, this has nothing to do with being better or worse. It's an availability that God, I believe, is inviting all of his kids to be a part of. And if it hasn't happened yet, hang on. Amen. 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 By God's grace, it will happen. Here's another question somebody asked Why do some people receive tongues? and some don't. Is it my fault? Now that's a good question too. If I have never spoken in tongues, and I've sought it, because there was a lot of those, I've sought this, but it's just never happened. How come John gets saved, and the very night speaks in tongues, gets baptized with the Holy Spirit? It's not my experience. That wasn't the way it happened for me. And so... This kind of really gets into people's psyche. It gets into their spirit because there's been people who have been praying for a long time and have been open a long time. And so why do some receive tongues and some don't? I don't know that I have a true answer for that. All I know is that I believe that Jesus taught in Luke chapter 11, He said, ask, seek, and knock. And then he said, at the end of that, God will give the Holy Spirit to them that ask and seek and knock. And if you read the original language, it means ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Jesus told his own disciples to wait in Jerusalem. Now, I know that some people teach, well, I don't believe people have to wait anymore. The Holy Spirit's been poured out. People just need to receive and start speaking in tongues. Well, that may be true, but I also know that there's a lot of stories of godly men and women who over the centuries tarried and waited and sought God and eventually they experienced this baptism and this grace in their life and God gave them a language and then with that gave them a great revival and they were revivalists in our nations. And so I'm not, I'm not prepared to just say, you know, I'm, I, what, let me just say it this way. Sometimes it may take a while 
But my encouragement would be, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Amen. So when they said, is it my fault? Well, to, is it my fault? Here's, I, here's where I got to, this is God help me. Help me to say this right. So, is it my fault? Well, everything on the inside of me would want to say, I would want to say, absolutely not. This is not your fault. That's what I would want to say. But if I'm being honest, there might be times when it could be something that's in me. Let me explain. The Bible says that you can grieve the Holy Spirit, you can quench the Holy Spirit, you can resist the Holy Spirit. Are you tracking me? If I can quench the Holy Spirit, you know what that means? To put out the Spirit's fire. If I can resist the Holy Spirit, that means I can say, I can draw near with my mouth, but my heart is far. And I'm resistant. So, I don't, I don't want anybody to feel bad. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to say that there may be a case, and everybody needs to search this out for themselves without being hard on yourself, without being judgmental. I've sought this. I've, I've asked the Lord for this, but I've not experienced it. Then you have to dig in deep and say, God, is there any resistance in me? Because sometimes we get really logical. And I want to tell you something. This is very spiritual. Come on. And so I, I, so I may say one thing with my mouth, but my heart is a little resistant. I'm a little, I'm a little timid. I'm a little, you know, I don't, I, I'm not really open to this. And so, so I just want to say, is it your fault? I, I don't know. You have to go to God about that. I was sharing this with somebody earlier. I'll go ahead and say it. I don't know if it makes sense to you. But when Peter walked on the water, how many of you know that Peter walked on the water? How many of you know after he walked a little while, he started sinking? Whose fault was it? it was, was it Jesus' fault? No. When Jesus picked him up out of the water and brought him back to the boat, what did Jesus say to him? Why did you doubt? The sinking happened when Peter doubted. And I'm not trying to... I hope you don't feel like I'm trying to be mean. What I'm just saying is, everybody, when it comes to this issue, we all have to dig in for ourselves and say, okay, am I completely open? Am I totally available? Am I a willing vessel? And if you are, then you don't have to think, well, this is my fault. Just keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? Can a person be spirit-filled and not speak in tongues? That was another one. Can a person be spirit-filled and not speak in tongues? Yes. Yes. You say, how do you know? Because I know all things. No. No, uh, I believe that when Paul said in Ephesians 5.18, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit, that he was talking to all Christians to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The baptism with the Holy Spirit and the grace of speaking in another language, to me, that, that is not bound to being spilled, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. People can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, let me just say it this way. This is, I'm stumbling over myself. When you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in your heart. You don't get half of the Holy Spirit, three quarters of the Holy Spirit. You get all of the Holy Spirit. Right? You get all of the Holy Spirit. And so in that sense, we are all filled with the Holy Spirit. But we're talking about the power and the anointing and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit with spiritual language. So, real quick, I know this may seem a little odd. We're going we're gonna to wrap this up in a moment. But are there, have I talked about anything tonight 
that stirs in you? Or have I not talked about something concerning tongues that you have a question about? Is there anyone here tonight, and I'll try, and I've got some, I've got some seasoned souls I can also call upon to help me if I need to do that. But are there any questions that we have talked, uh, any, any questions you might have about spiritual language or about tongues? Anybody? There's no dumb questions. Yeah, Stacy. Right. Okay, so Stacy was asking the question. This is I'm doing this for online. I don't know if we should get a microphone available. Um, but uh, she was wanting to know why is there so much controversy between the churches about tongues? Because from your standpoint, like I was teaching here tonight, you feel like it's really clear, and that's a really good question. It is. It is one of those. I said it was. I started out by saying this is one of the most controversial things in the body of Christ where people don't agree on this. And I, I don't know that I have a clear answer. I do think that a lot of times it comes down to what people feel comfortable with. I'll, I'll give you for an example. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of people in the kingdom of God that believe that tongues what was what it was, what I taught here tonight, that that's what it was. But after the first century church uh, came to an end, we had the Bible. And so that there was no more need for spiritual language, supernatural uh, language anymore, because the Bible had been developed, and that came after John died. And so there are a lot of people that are sensationists. They, they, uh, they believe that, uh, that uh, these kinds of things, the works of the Spirit, are not for today. And that's the reason why they think that, is that it's come to an end, that it's no longer available. Any other questions? Oh, no, Isaac. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm curious. Do you think Jesus spoke in tongues? <laughs> uh, I don't think Jesus needed to. That's not what I asked. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so, but I, I can't say. I have no record of it. I don't think he needed to, though. But he did say his believers would. Yes. Go ahead. What if you never do? Well, if you never speak in tongues, then, again, this comes back to this has no bearing on the value of a person. It doesn't make somebody worse or better than anybody else. It's just, it's just uh, from my standpoint, and I would just say this from my, pers- my perspective, is that it's something that is available that we're you know, just letting go. And, and if you never do, then that's, I, that has no bearing on God's love for a person or the value of a person. If you want to and it doesn't happen, what if you want to and it doesn't happen? She asked. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. We have positive faith. And no, that's a very good question. I mean, and I'm not trying to dismiss it uh, because it's like a. Uh, I do believe that it is available for all of us. And I do think it's a, it's a, it is a, a step of faith that. You know, it's, it's, it's like being saved. When you come to Jesus, you're just not automatically saved. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And what are you believing on? That when he died on the cross, he died for your sins, right? And at that moment that you believe on him, you're born again. Well, receiving your spiritual language is like that. It's like a step of faith. It's like I got to step out in faith and, and begin to just... Let the Lord fill me and just begin to speak in other languages. And when I speak, the Spirit will give me the utterance. So if you never do, it's just you never did. But it has no bearing on a person's value or who they are, even if they wanted to. Does that help? Any other questions?
Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. That's true. There's absolutely nothing I can say to that. I know that there are a lot of great, and I, I love Billy Graham. I, there's a lot of, in fact, I listen, I listen to people on a regular basis who I would, they, they do not uh, teach or necessarily believe the way that I taught here tonight. And I learn from them. Like I gain some things from them. And so I don't know, I, I don't really have a, a real answer for that. I would just say that a lot of that comes out of the context of their background and what they had been taught and what they had, you know, grew up under. And so, you know, I know Billy Graham was, you know, Baptist and Southern Baptist. And, and I know that, you know, I don't think from what I knew about Billy Graham was that he was not anti that. He was very open. But, um, but I do know that not everybody does. That's true. So wasn't John the Baptist baptized in the Holy Spirit while he was still in Elizabeth's womb? And if so, I don't ever recall that it said he spoke in tongues. No, I don't think he, I mean, yeah, you're right. I don't think it's in there. I just go back to what Jesus said in Mac, uh, in Mark 16, uh, is that, uh, I think he's got another one. He's going to follow up on me. He, he's not going to leave me alone. Uh, no. <laughs> Well, I just go back to what Jesus said in Mark 16. Jesus said, these are the signs that will follow those who, these signs will follow them that believe in me. And he said then that they will speak with new tongues. And so, by the way, of all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, all of them can be found in the Old Testament except tongues and interpretation of tongues. So this one is distinct. This is the New Testament um, gift and grace that Jesus made available to the body of Christ. So I don't have any record of John. We don't have that. So I don't think he did. So, so sometimes it's like when you're in bed and your spouse is asleep next to you. And I pray silently in the Holy Spirit. So is that still effective? Yeah, you mean just praying silently? Yeah, absolutely. Praying it with your spirit? Yeah. I definitely believe so. Yeah. Any other questions? Is this helpful? Is this helping anybody? Amen. How to receive your prayer language. Yes, okay. Yes, sir. So when, when it's talked about in First Corinthians, um, about interpretation of tongues, can an individual interpret the tongues they've received, or do you have to have somebody else there provided by God to interpret those tongues for the group? Okay, good question. That's a very good question. And the scriptures do teach that when a person speaks in tongues, and I don't have my Bible um, with me, I, I got it on this, but I don't know if I can find it. But it does say, for the person who speaks in tongues or gives a tongue in a service, that they should pray that they may interpret. So they, they are, Paul said, there is a person who speaks should also be praying for the interpretation of that. So it does say that in 1 Corinthians 14. I don't have the verse, but it's there. Does anybody carry a Bible? On this plan. Yeah, let me see it. I just want to make sure that I'm not saying something wrong, but thank you, yes. Oh, that's too small, Caitlin. I'm so, so yes, I know. My Bible isn't coming up over here, so I don't know. Anyway. Fourteen, thirteen. Can you read it for me, or? Right. Okay. So it's you know it doesn't always happen that way, and I know some people call into question a person who speaks in tongues, and then gives their gives the the interpretation as 
you know, and it's a valid question, it's, an avow- it's a valid concern, but sometimes people struggle with that because they're thinking, well, then you're saying what you want to say, but the Bible does instruct us to pray for the interpretation of that. So, so we at least have been given that instruction from Scripture, and I think that's an important thing. And by the way, your prayer language is different from the gift of tongues that's to be interpreted. There's the public uh, gift of, of tongues that the Holy Spirit gives to us. That's the, the, uh, your prayer language in the Holy Spirit. That's a personal, private prayer language that God has given to the believer. The gift of tongues that is in a public setting, like if somebody in our praise and worship tonight would have spoken out in tongues and then somebody else would have interpreted it, that's a different, those are two different uh, different tongues, if you will. Okay, does that make sense? One's a gift, one's for personal private use, the other's for public use. And that, when it's, when it's public and it gets the attention of the body, then it should have an interpretation it must always have an interpretation because if it doesn't have an interpretation, that's where we get a bad name. And so every Sunday, we try, or whenever it happens in our church, we try to explain to any newcomers what's going on so that they're not caught off guard because they may have not heard this before or whatever, okay? All right, are there any other questions? Okay, I think we're good. I just wanted to say this. I just want to encourage you guys, ladies, men, to receive your spiritual language. Let me just let me just say it the way I thought about this, and I and I'm not going to make a, a deal out of it tonight. But maybe you could go home and think on this and pray about it. Ask God to give you the gift. Ask Him to give that to you. Ask and it will be given, right? The second thing that I would say is when you want, when you're seeking to receive this, open your mouth and begin to praise the Lord out loud. Just begin to thank God. Because if you're saying, Lord, give me tongues, and then you go, That's not very inviting. But what is inviting is you just begin to praise Jesus and just begin to just exalt him. And as you're praising the Lord, then boldly begin to speak words or phrases that you either hear in your ear or you see in your mind or you feel in your belly. I'm just trying to help you to just like step into this and then just begin to speak and the Spirit, everybody say the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you the utterance. But you and I have to speak and He gives us the utterance. Let's stand together. Let's all lift our hands to Jesus right now. Lord, we love you in this place. We thank you for your presence here tonight. We thank you, Jesus, that you are Lord of all. And this is all about you, Lord. This isn't about us trying to earn more badges or to make ourselves more showy or or even to just become more Pentecostal. God, this is about people being hungry for more of you, being hungry for your presence. And Holy Spirit, we want to be the church. We want to be that like that first century church, but in the 21st century. We want to have the same kind of boldness. We want to have the same kind of power. We want to have the same kind of just courage, God, to, to walk out into our culture, Lord. But we can't do this in our own strength. 
We need a power. We need an endowment from on high. And I just pray tonight, God, that you would just pour out your spirit upon us all afresh and anew in this place. And God, that the wind of your spirit would blow over us. And God, that you would give us a release, God, in the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And God, give us our spiritual language so that we are equipped to pray, so that we are elevated in our worship, God, so that we are enabled, God, in, in our, uh, you know, just our walk with you. I pray, God, that you would give everyone a spiritual language here tonight. In Jesus' name. Lord, we love you and we bless you in this place. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Jesus.